The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. We have a speaker. Her name is Cecilia, and she is a recent graduate from the University of Washington. Um, And she is going to be here to talk with us about um, reading food labels and uh, better nutrition and learning what carbs to eat or not to eat. Um, uh, So she's got a wide range of topics that she will be sharing with us. Um, So for those that are on the Zoom call here, what we'd like to do is have you mute um, and then as Cecilia presents, she will have time for questioning and answers as we go. Um, and then we'll have you raise your hands to ask any questions that you may have. So without further ado, Cecilia, I'd like to welcome you and thank you for coming to speak with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I wanted to make a quick correction. I, I graduated from Washington State University. Um, not the University of Washington. Um, only mentioned that because of the Husky Cougar um, competitions that occur. So <laughs> I'm I'm a Coug. But anyway, uh, like uh, Becky said, that I'm covering a wide wide range of topics. There's so much that we can delve into with nutrition. So unfortunately, I I definitely won't be able to cover everything in detail. But um, if anyone has any specific questions over some of the topics I go over be happy to answer them. I can definitely provide my email as well. If anyone thinks of any further questions and they just want to reach out personally, um, I have no problem with that. Uh, So I guess we will begin. Um, The first topic I like to discuss when delving into nutrition um, as it pertains to really anything but with diabetes as well is the nutrition labels. These can be quite complicated because sometimes food manufacturers, they want to make themselves appear as healthy as possible. Um, So some of the details can be um, a little complicated or misconstruing the actual nature of the food itself. So uh, when going over a nutrition label, uh, the very first thing that you want to start with is the serving size. This affects everything else that you go into with a nutrition label after that. Um, And serving sizes can be uh, typically the amount that you would expect to consume in one serving, or they can be completely ridiculous, like half of a bag of M&Ms or half of a Mary Callender's chicken pot pie. Most chicken pot pies say it's two servings. I don't know about you, but I typically eat the whole thing. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm alone there, but if it's two servings, in one container, so the serving size is half of the container. All of the other details below, like the total amount of fat or calories, you would have to multiply that by two if you were to consume the entire thing. And so that's definitely an important detail to consider. Um, The nutrition labels will always tell you what the serving size is in the amount, and it will tell you how many servings are in the container that you purchased. Uh, The next category is calories. Um, 
Calories are just how much energy you're getting from the food. Most people are pretty familiar with that. Um, so if you're trying to lose weight or gain weight or are maintaining weight and counting calories, um, that's an important area to look at. Uh, the next important topic on a nutrition label uh, is the percent daily value or DV. Um, this tells us how much of a nutrient is in one serving. And it's um, shown as a percentage. Uh, what's important to remember about this is that it is based on a 2000 calorie diet. That's what the United States steams as about the middle ground or average uh, caloric needs of an individual. But each person is very special and different. So your needs may be a little higher or lower. So if a product has, uh, let's just say, 50% of your recommended calcium for the day, if you eat 2000 calories or need 2000 calories. Well, if you are someone that needs a lot more than that, then that 50% is actually gonna be your less than 50%, if that makes sense. Conversely, if you don't need 2000 calories, maybe you only need 1500 calories, then that percentage that it's gonna tell you is overestimating um, your, your percent. So it's something to keep in mind, but in general for the average person, it's gonna be fairly close to the percentage that's um, correct for you. Uh, one thing to note moving forward, cause I'm gonna discuss the uh, nutrients suggested to limit and nutrients that you definitely wanna get high levels of. Uh, anything that is stated as 5% or less is a low source or low in that nutrient. And anything on the food label that is 20% or higher would be considered a good source or high in that nutrient. So nutrients to limit. I don't like to vilify any particular nutrient. You know, fat, we all need fat in our diet. We all need carbohydrates, we all need, you know, vitamins and minerals. But in general, uh, saturated fat and trans fat are nutrients that are suggested to get lower amounts of because we don't need as much. And, and the average American diet, we actually consume more than we need or too much. Same goes for cholesterol, sodium, and added sugars. When overconsuming those products, they can, can add to adverse health effects like blood pressure or you know, uh, diabetes or any number of things. Um, so you want 5% or less of those. And when I'm talking about fat, I specifically mentioned saturated or trans fat because uh, the current literature uh, definitely suggests that it's not the amount of total fat that you consume that can have an effect on health outcomes, but the types of fats you consume. So the good fats, 
quote unquote, you know, you'll hear people say the good fats, those are unsaturated. And it, funny enough, it's just a difference of an extra bond, um, very slight chemical differences, but the way it changes how your body uses them and digests them is quite big. So nutrients you should get enough of. The good fats are and all unsaturated fats, but they can be called monounsaturated fats or polyunsaturated fats. They could also be listed as just unsaturated fat or omega-3s or omega-6s. That's a really popular one that uh, especially items like um, nuts or fish, you hear about the omegas. Other nutrients to, oh, good sources of those, I just wanted to quickly mention, are your nuts, your fatty fishes like salmon. Um, also, vegetable oils are going to be unsaturated. Um, most fats that, if they are liquid or semi-liquid at room temperature, those are likely to be saturated fats. I mean, unsaturated fats, sorry. The saturated fats, which is you want, want, you want to get less of, those are generally solid at room temperature. So animal fats, coconut oil, um, lard. More nutrients to get enough of. My favorite nutrient, fiber. Fiber is great for a number of reasons. Um, particularly pertaining to diabetes is the um, way that it helps slow down your absorption of carbohydrates, which decreases the spike in blood sugar that you can get after a meal. Um, it also is great for gut health and is great for giving you a sense of fullness or satiety after a meal. Um, vitamins on the nutrition labels, you can't have a lot of them listed on there, but the ones that you legally have to have in the United States are the nutrients of greatest concern. Those are the ones that in general, the population seems to not get enough of. And those are vitamin D, calcium, iron, and potassium. So those are great ones to make sure that you get enough of, um, but there's tons of other um, vitamins and minerals out there and they're all generally good to get. Um, food claims, oh, before I move on to food claims, does anyone have any questions about food labels? Um, Cecilia, I'm not seeing any raised hands at the moment, but at this point, would it be all right if I go ahead and uh, go over the raised hands and muting, uh, muting and unmuting commands very quickly in case we have someone here that uh, is new and doesn't know how to oh. do those commands? Yes, please. Okay, Stay great. Certainly. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, first of all, I'd like to remind everyone that these calls are being recorded for our safety and security. So you will need to be sure and press the got it button if you haven't done so already so that you will be able to do the commands I'm about to give you. If you're on a PC, you will raise your hand with Alt-Y, mute or unmute with Alt-A. If you're on a Mac, raise and this is for both raising and lowering your hand. Raise or lower your hand with option Y. 
mute or unmute with command shift A. If you're on your smart device, the raised hand option is located under the more button, which is in the lower right hand corner of your screen. The mute, oh, the mute unmute button is located in the lower left hand corner of your screen. And if you're on a touchtone phone, the raise you will raise your hand with star nine and also lower your hand with the same uh, mute or unmute with star six. And that's all the commands. And I'm still don't see any raised any raised hands. Okay, now I'm seeing a couple. Our first raised hand is Nancy. Nancy, you may unmute. Hi, 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 Cecilia. Um, I have a question about about fiber, which is really important to me. They're soluble and insoluble, and I like to eat, it, you know, within reason the peelings of different of apples and cucumbers and things that are. I mean, not certain things you can't eat the peelings of. Are those important? And and what type, could you give some quick examples of what the foods with fibers like brown uh, rice, you know, uh, uh, you know, whole grains, things like that? Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I, I'm trying to remember, scroll down if I if I go further into detail about this, but I will talk about it right now since we're on the topic. Um, some really good options for high fiber foods are um, beans and lentils. Um, those are also coincidentally very good sources of protein um, and vegetarian friendly for those that are. Um, the vegetables and fruit there's uh, most of them are going to be pretty good sources of fiber. Um, broccoli is great. Um, berries, um, which the only thing you have to watch out for those in large consumptions is, is their sugar content. Um, but they're great sources of fiber and have antioxidants and things like that. Um, avocado are good ones. Um, they are also good ones for unsaturated fat as well. Uh, and whole grains generally have uh, very good sources of fiber. Um, the apples you mentioned, great source of fiber, dried fruit, um, especially the peels on a lot of the fruits or vegetables. Those are going to be the biggest source of the fiber content in those, um, those foods. Um, did and that help? Those helps. Uh, yes. And I'm sorry for interrupting. And those help. I mean, I'm not saying you can eat what you want, but um, as much as you want, but those help with blood sugar levels, right? When the more fiber you eat, if you just eat something that you may shouldn't be eating, the the uh, fiber helps. Correct? I mean, I'm not saying it's a cure all, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's not you know it's it's not the magic cure. You're right, um, but it really helps um, defend really big spikes in blood sugar because what fiber fiber is insoluble. Well, I mean, some of it's soluble, um, but it really slows down your digestive system and its ability to absorb things really fast because it gets in the way. Um, and because of that, instead of, let's just say you have a um, milkshake and it's very, you know, lots of ice cream and it's really high in sugar, that gets absorbed really fast. And all of a sudden, all of the sugar is in your bloodstream. And that gives you really high blood sugar reading. Um, if you had, let's just say a similar thing, but like a protein shake and it has sugar, but also has a lot of fiber, um, you know, maybe add some vegetables in there. That would probably be gross, but, you know, maybe have a, a fiber bar 
with the milkshake. <laughs> that will help a little bit by decreasing the rate that the sugar enters your bloodstream, which gives your body time to help lower your blood sugar as you're continuing to digest and absorb more of that, uh, those carbohydrates. Well, thank you very much. Very interesting. Thank you. Okay, uh, next up we have Ver Verlin. Verlin, you can unmute. Okay, V-E-R-L-Y-N, Verlin, if I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> can you unmute? Okay, well, we'll just go on to the next person. Uh, area code 470 ending in 186. If you could please unmute, identify yourself, and ask your question. Good evening. This is Les from Georgia. Hi, Les. Hello. 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 Welcome. Yes, this is Les from Georgia. Hi, can Les. you hear me? What? Yes, I can. What's your question? Go ahead. What's your question, Les? Oh, okay. It ain't a question. It's a kind of a statement. I have found out Honey Nut Cheerios, and this is for me only, it doesn't bother my sugar. Uh, it may raise my sugar two to three points, and that's it. Uh, the other one is if I eat 25 M&Ms, I can raise my sugar 40 points. But if I eat three uh, uh, peanut butter cups, it don't raise my sugar but two points. So uh, over the years, I've had sugar now for 18 years, and I've had taken the time to analyze everything I eat, and I find out what is good for me, what is bad for me. And I just use this stuff as snacks, like uh, the peanut butter cookies. They're, they're the yellow cookies with the peanut butter in between. That's another one that's a, 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 a free food for me, I call it. Popcorn. And I do eat a lot of peanut butter for digestive. Okay, that's my comment. Thank you. Um, and... This is um, Angela from uh, New Jersey, and I'm joining with Les tonight. Welcome. Hello. I forgot to say that. I was <laughs> piggybacking her. <laughs> so Hi, you guys. You. Yes, sorry. Go ahead. I'm uh, out. Okay, Les. Well, that, that's a really um, interesting statement, and it's um, kind of really a good reminder um, for everyone that these are general recommendations, and I have mentioned that before, um, there, we're really finding, um, and I believe, I can't remember if it was a TED Talk or uh, something that I, I was able to listen to in one of my courses in, in college, um, but they did a giant study with a bunch of people that recorded their blood sugars after a very specific, like, wrote down everything that they ate and took their blood sugars, you know, postprandial, like, two hours after each meal and all those meals combined and collected um, they were given uh, genetic tests so they could uh, view and compare their genetic profiles compared to their glucose responses and they were vastly different and really uh, 
personally, from person to person, you can have a very different um, glucose reaction or response to foods compared to the next person. So if you know personally that your blood sugar doesn't spike with certain foods, then that's great. Um, unfortunately, you know, we definitely don't have the technology, the tools, the money, most people to be able to give those um, tests to everyone. Um, but I'm really excited for what the future holds with, with those sort of things, personalized medicine, I would call it. Okay, shall we move on to the next uh, caller? Uh, right. Let's do one more call and then, or one more question, and then um, maybe move on to the next um, section. That way, um, Cecilia can have time to get through a lot of what she would like to present to everybody. Okay. Uh, looks like Verlin is still having trouble unmuting. I sent her sent them a um, asked to unmute request, but they're still muted. So we'll go on to area code 714 ending in 417. If you could please unmute and identify yourself and ask your question. Can you hear me okay? Hi. Yes. Hi. All right. Hi, this is DJ Kessler. And um, my question is, um, can you explain the difference between eating uh say, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, like some fat or what's the other or fiber that slows down digestion versus, uh, versus, um, uh, slowing down your metabolism. Um, I think I understand what you're getting at. Um, there are different types of fibers. Uh, typically they're divided by soluble versus insoluble. Um, these fibers do react slightly different in your body. Um, like you mentioned, um, some will slow down your digestive system. Um, like it, it, they just do different things. Um, and when it comes down to it, those fibers, unless you're taking supplements or certain things like that, if you're just eating food, they're going to have a little bit of both. Um, I haven't done too much research on specific foods that may be higher in one over the other. Um, it's not going to be a perfect equal balance, but you're you're definitely going to get a little bit of both um, with any fiber source of or food that you're eating. Well, is slow? No, it's, my question is more: um, if I slow down my digestion that will help level out my, my glucose ratings, right? Yes. Um, if that, that's what you do, what is that the same as slowing down my metabolism? I'm a type two diabetic mm -hmm. and, um, I don't particularly want to slow down my metabolism particularly. I want my metabolism to speed up. Yeah. So uh, is that, is it the same or are they different? Uh, they're different. Yeah. So metabolism happens inside your body and how it decides to utilize the energy that you absorb and, and break down things. Um, the slowing of the absorption of food happens. I like to call it outside the body. It's inside your body, but it's in 
it's in the tube, you know, that <laughs> before it gets more to endo the, endogenous versus ex exogenous. Yeah. So, yeah. So it just, um, I'm talking slows, like physically slows the absorption of food from your intestines into your body and your cells and your bloodstream. Um, slowing right. metabolism is more of a chemical thing that, or a chemical reaction thing that occurs in your, inside your cells. So yeah, they are separate and I don't uh, see fiber as affecting um, metabolism. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, next topic I wanted to talk about, I'm going to do just a quick blip about food claims um, kind of as a tack on to food labels. Um, there, there's a lot of things that uh, food products can say. And I just want to go over the big ones that can be misconstrued. Um, a big one is made with whole grains or multigrain. That doesn't necessarily mean that it is a good source of whole grain or that it even has any whole grains. Multigrain means it can be made with maybe barley and rice and um, quinoa. Those are different types of grains, so it's multi-grain. But um, maybe they're refined versions of those grains, so it's not a whole grain source. Um, a good way to check is that if it has a stamp by the whole grain council, verifying the whole grains per serving, that's the gold standard, I would say. Um, also, if it has whole grains listed as uh, one of the first three ingredients, Ingredients have to be listed in order of greatest proportion in that product. So the biggest pieces that that product's made out of will be in the very first few ingredients. Um, another mention for ingredients lists is different names for sugar. Um, sugar can show up in different forms or different ways under different names. So anything that has malts, um, sugar, obviously, cane, like sugar cane, but there's other types of cane, um, syrup, disaturides, um, molasses, honey, agave. Those are all types of sugar. And even though they can have certain benefits, they are still sugar and will affect your blood glucose levels. And then words ending in os. So fructose, sucrose, those are sugars too. Uh, last mention for this is uh, natural or organic. It only tells you how the food product is prepared. So at one point, the manufacturer worked with a whole food product to make this food or this item. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. Um, same with organic. It's used with organic food practices, uh, which do have their benefits, but you can have an organic cookie and that's great but it is still a cookie um, there are definitely a lot of different other claims um, and you know you guys can um, message me or ask me later about it if you have a specific one you're wondering about um, so next real real topic is meal planning portions and carb tracking a little bit of um, info on meal planning tips, which have actually really helped me personally. Uh, big one is freeze your extras. So I am in a household of me and one other person. 
and I have a habit of cooking for 10 people uh, when there's just two of us. So it, it, when it comes to soups, casseroles, uh, even lasagna, um, there's a whole ton, anything that you can find or purchase in a freezer aisle, you can freeze yourself. Um, you might need to adjust how you cook it a little and you can look into that yourself for getting specific recipes, but it's really great. Uh, I freeze a bunch and it saves me money because I can still buy in bulk or make a big meal. It also saves me on time and helps me when I'm really not feeling like eating healthy or making a meal or I don't have time or I'm in a bad mood. Uh, <laughs> then I can just reach into my freezer and pick out a pre-portioned something and I know exactly what went in it because I made it myself. Um, one pot meals are great and there's a bunch of businesses and websites and and videos and everything around this. Um, you can find them everywhere. Uh, crock pot meals, Instapot meals, uh, sheet pan dinners. All of these are really great options to provide a non-fussy way to enjoy a cooked nutritious meal. Um, and it also helps people who maybe aren't as confident in their cooking um, abilities or don't want a whole bunch of dishes to wash. And making it social can really um, just add another function to cooking. So you're having a good time with a friend or a family member and you're also getting a good meal out of it. And you could be helping someone else learn how to cook meals for themselves or eat healthier. Uh, last thing is picking out recipes ahead of time. It'll save you money when you go to the grocery store or if you have someone else do your shopping, it will give you the power and the independence of deciding what is going into your kitchen and into your body. Um, and then saving your favorites because a couple months from now, you're going to think, oh, dang, what was that meal that I had? It was so delicious. Well, you'll have it on hand. Um, the big types of meal planning that uh, the American Diabetes Association really emphasizes is the plate method. Um, you may have heard about this before, but it just divides a plate into sections. One whole half, like an entire half of a plate, is going to be non-starchy vegetables. Non-starchy vegetables are most vegetables but I think of them as the ones that you can't turn into good mashes. <laughs> like um, starchy vegetables would be like mashed potatoes. Potatoes are starchy. Um, also peas or butternut squash. So things that aren't those. Cabbage, leafy greens, eggplants, broccoli, mushrooms, zucchini, celery, uh, spaghetti squash. I could go on. Um, that covers half of your plate. A quarter of your plate is carbohydrate foods. Those are the mashed things, the starchy veggies that I mentioned. But they're also grains and fresh fruit or dairy products. Um, the last portion of your plate is protein. Uh, focus on lean meats like chicken or turkey or, or fish or shellfish. Um, there's also really great plant 
plant-based proteins like beans and lentils that I talked about earlier, as well as tofu and tempeh. Um, it's a really good opportunity to sort of explore the different types of dishes out there and different proteins. Uh, now, not everything fits neatly on a plate, and maybe you're using a bowl or something else. So I, I kind of divide um, that concept into measurements. So if you have one portion of carbohydrates to one portion of protein to two portions of non-starchy food. So that could be a, a quarter cup of rice to a quarter cup of chicken or shrimp or whatever protein, and then a half cup of veggies, and that's your little grain bowl. It's not going to be perfect every time, and it is difficult to gauge the portions, but you at least know that the non-starchy vegetables should make up about half of the meal that you're putting together. Uh, I wanted to talk or uh, mention carb counting and glycemic index and load. Um, these are different ways that you can really keep more detailed track on the types of foods you're, you're ingesting. It's not for everyone, and it is recommended more for some people or um, compared to others. Um, there's very different degrees of specificity in carb counting, whether it's just portions and serving sizes, all the way up to weighing and measuring and grams. Um, that's about as far into it as I'm going to go because we don't have time for that today. And it's also something that you should definitely talk about with a dietitian or a diabetes um, educator or your doctor, um, because they'll be able to better help whether or not that's right for you. Um, going more into the dietary choices of things, um, ways to reduce carbs if maybe you've had your carb allotments or you had a carb-rich meal a little bit ago. Sandwiches, you can do open-faced, removing the top bun or making something into a lettuce wrap. You can also exchange some or all of the pasta for your meal and make it with um, noodle, um, noodles, those are pastas, um, make it with vegetable noodles. So those zoodles you hear about, like zucchini noodles or banana squash noodles, uh, spaghetti squash is really delicious and a good source of fiber. Um, that you can use with your spaghetti instead of pasta noodles. Um, there's cauliflower crust for pizzas that you can actually buy in stores now. Um, and then I really like zucchini boat pizzas and I've made them plenty of times where you cut a zucchini in half, you carve out the center a little bit and then you put in your sauce and toppings and a little bit of cheese and you just put it in the oven for a little bit. Um, super yummy. And it's a really good way to get a little snack in without going too high on your carbs if you're just a little hungry. Um, oh, and portobello mushroom cups for hamburgers are delicious. Um, ways to boost your carb value. I keep bringing this up again because it's magical. Fibers. Um, making sure your carbs have lots of good fibers in them. Um, is really good because it slows that absorption, all that stuff we've, we've discussed. Um, it can also help lower your cholesterol, promote healthy weight by increasing your, your sensation of fullness. And it's really good for your gut health too.
beans, whole grains, certain fruits and vegetables are good sources, as we mentioned. Um, and then uh, another way is just to make sure that the carbs you're eating, that there's more purpose besides just the carbohydrates. Um, make sure they're coming with some other nutrients too. Utilize those skills of, of interpreting that food label. Um, for whole grain products, I'm gonna fire off a huge list of them. Um, you can find this most places, but there's a bunch and I even haven't had all of these. So it's a great kind of adventure to explore. Uh, wheat berries, millet, um, oatmeal is a common one, quinoa, brown rice, buckwheat, barley, amaranth, sorghum, bulgur, spelts, kamut, lots of different whole grains out there. And they all taste a little different or have different bites to them and can be really delicious in ways of trying new dishes from different parts of the world too. Um, a whole, the definition of a whole grain is that it has the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. And the reasons you don't find them everywhere is that uh, they do decrease the shelf life of products that are made with whole grain. So a lot of different products that you can find in stores uh, to purchase are refined because then they last longer. Um, the last part of this section is swaps at restaurants or fast food restaurants. Having something baked instead of fried is a good way to reduce those calories and potentially reduce the carbs if it's like a panko fry or a breaded um, dish. Um, downsizing your meals. Um, a lot of fast food restaurants will automatically give you a medium or a large version. Um, asking for a side of a soup or a salad instead of french fries. I do admit, french fries are delicious in moderation. You still gotta live a good life, right? Uh, and then um, substituting the soda that typically things come with, with some water or um, bubbly water, diet lemonade. Um, To-go containers are great ways that I use. If I have a meal at a restaurant and it is so delicious, it really helps me to have some part of it in a to-go already. So it's not on the plate for me to scarf up because I, you know, it helps you listen to your hunger cues. And then opting for um, lower calorie dressings in your salads. I was in a Red Robin once and I was looking at uh, the different meals and options they had on the menu. And there was a salad on there that had more calories than one of their cheeseburgers. <laughs> so just because it's a salad doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna be a very diet-friendly salad if you are on a diet. Um, and, uh, oh, that is the end of that section. Um, so if we have some quick questions there, and then I just have one short topic after that. Okay, so why don't we take about three or four questions on that, um, and then we'll let you do the next section, and then if there's time after, we can maybe uh, go back and grab a few other questions. So if anybody has any questions, raise your hand. Okay, I I'm not... Oh, do sorry. You, do you see any hands, Allison? Uh, no, I don't. 
That's what I was about to say. <laughs> All right. I didn't either, but I wanted to have somebody double check me. So Right. Okay. Perfect. Then, so, and why don't we just move on to the next section then? Uh, great. And I'm sorry if I kind of sped talk through that. Um, we had a lot of questions earlier, so I just wanted to make sure I got in all the stuff that I really wanted to cover it, at least. Um, uh, the last little topic are just little tips to increase insulin sensitivity. Um, now, for those that may not know, insulin sensitivity is just your cells' um, uh, sensitivity to um to reacting to insulin and opening up those channels for the glucose and the sugars to get out of your bloodstream and into your cells. Um, this isn't a fix all, and there are um, some types of diabetes or people with diabetes that have just lower insulin um, activity at all and not just insulin resistance. Um, so it may not be helpful for everyone, but most of these tips are really great, not just for insulin sensitivity, but for general health as well. Um, so one that people uh, don't really think about is sleep. So people who do not get adequate sleep are more likely to snack more, be less active, and um, all these things can lead to habits that decrease insulin sensitivity. Um, deprivation of sleep can also increase oxidative stress, hormone deregulation, and so can directly impact insulin resistance. So try to develop routines. Um, avoiding uh, stimulants prior to sleep, such as coffee, um, planning a relaxing activity prior to sleep, um, talking to a doctor if sleep is an issue, if you have a, a circadian issue especially, you know, that may require some medications. Um, exercise. For most people in general um, with diabetes, uh, it is recommended that they can exercise just as much as, you know, any person without diabetes. Um, I believe it's 150 minutes a week of um, cardiorespiratory activity. And resistance and flexibility flexibility, um, and all that. Uh, there are considerations that needed to take, and that would be um, your blood sugars. They can react to um, that exercise, and you may end up having too low blood sugar. So it's important to check before, during, and after, and get clearance for exercise if you currently aren't. But exercise does increase the immediate um, absorption of sugar in your blood into your muscle cells, and they actually don't need insulin to do this, which is why your um, blood sugars may lower even without that insulin there. After these acute effects wear off, your cells have a lingering bump in insulin sensitivity. So continuous you know, daily physical activity or exercise can be really helpful. Um, stress is an important one. Cortisol and adrenaline um, make it harder for insulin to do what it's supposed to do. Um, these hormones can also incre increase glucagon, uh, which is a hormone that helps sugar out of the cells into your blood. 
And too much cortisol over time can directly impact beta cell activity in your pancreas, which is what produces insulin. And it can lower the amount of insulin those cells produce for your body. There's a lot of different ways that can be helpful for reducing stress and they don't work for everyone. Um, I personally have an issue with stress and I try to, um, one, I see a therapist, which can be very helpful for some people. You can also uh, find time to yourself to do things that relax you, that you know make you feel better. Um, balancing your schedule. Um, you know, that this is a whole nother topic that um, could be a whole presentation on its own. Um, last one is to reduce your consumptions of added sugars because those added sugars aren't originally in those foods and they increase your blood sugar. And the constant high blood sugars can just add to that insulin resistance. I see some hands and that is about it for all of the main topics I wanted to talk about. I know we're running short on time, so I will stop here. Okay, well, Les, you may unmute and ask your question. Okay, that's here from Georgia. Actually, it's not a question, it's a statement. I don't take uh, insulin, but all the remarks you made about uh, eating, tension, uh, all of that, I've noticed uh, with myself how it affects my sugar. And the one lady that was asking about digestive system, I was taught uh, that this may sound gross, but the more you chew your food, the finer you grind up your food as you're swallowing it, the faster it digests into your system and the faster it gets into your system. Um, I've noticed when there's days I, I don't have anything really to do, but hang out, uh, I've noticed my sugar is elevated. So uh, that's me. I'm only talking about what I've learned over the years that I've had diabetes. And every day you got to play it by ear. And in all the years that I've had it, I have learned to know when my sugar's high in my attitude and being grumpy uh, being uh, anxious, and then when it's low, I can tell too. So you got to watch yourself very closely, and your body will tell you where you're at with your sugar and everything else. But um, other than that, is you can basically, and you can correct me, basically eat what you used to eat, but you have to eat it in a different way now. Not as much, not as often. But you still can eat a lot of the stuff that you used to eat years ago. Not the stuff that's going to cause your sugar to go high, sky high, like uh, banana splits and chocolate shakes, you know. <laughs> but other than that, I've the first year I had diabetes, actually first year and a half, everything I ate, my fingers are so raw and tender from uh, sticking them because I would eat something, check my sugar before I ate it. Two hours later, 
check it again. But then I had to realize that I had to also write down what I was doing between eating that hamburger and touching my blood again. Was I sitting around? Was I active? Not necessarily active physically, but was I um, talking and gently moving around in a chair with other people? So a lot has to do with your activity and water. I must eat a a drink a thousand gallons of water a day. I mean, (laughs) not that much, but I do a lot of water. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Um, I know that we have a couple of other hands. Um, Allison. Okay. First, we have iPod Touch. If you could please unmute and tell us who you are and then ask your question or make your comment. It's Pierre in Louisiana. I I have two questions. Okay. Number one, you said take your sugar two hours after you've eaten. Now, what should that reading be after two hours? Uh, So uh, I I believe when I mentioned that, it was... uh, it was an experiment done by some um, people, but um, the two-hour postprandial is um, because for a lot of food products, and it's not always going to be accurate for everyone, but generally your blood sugars will reach its peak at two hours after eating a meal. Um, because and- I know they, I know there are numbers where they say it should be under a certain number after four hours, under a certain number after two hours. Yes. Um, and so for your specific goals, that's something that you would definitely talk to your, your doctor about because those numbers that they want you to be under um, are based on whether or not you have diabetes and whether, you know, where you are at in your diabetic journey as far as where your sugars are resting right now um, and what the trends are. So unfortunately, I, I couldn't give you an exact answer on that um, because I just don't have that information for you specifically. Okay. Now you were talking about going and getting a hamburger or a sandwich and removing the top bun and eating the rest. Now, how are you going to get your carbohydrates? A hamburger bun only has about 30 carbohydrates in it. And if I remove the bun, the top bun, I'm only getting 15 carbs in an entire meal. It also depends on what else you're eating with that. Um, you know, maybe you have French fries, maybe you have some other things. Um, that specific topic was for ways to reduce carbohydrates if you're in the situation that you you are eating other things that have carbs and you don't, um, you know, you're at your cap or you don't want to have more carbs with the meal. You just want to reduce it a little bit. Um, eating carbohydrates with your meals and especially evenly distributing the carbohydrates you're eating throughout the day um, is really important um, for people with diabetes. You still need carbs. You absolutely do. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and very quickly, I want to let you know we have about eight minutes left. And Danette, you may unmute and talk. Thank you for doing this. This has been really great. I want to know um, what degree did you get in college and what are you doing now with, if you're doing something with that degree? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so I graduated with a bachelor's in science in nutrition and clinical exercise physiology. Um, so I double concentrated in public health and clinical exercise. Um, so that's more like cardiopulmonary rehab, um, EKG stuff. Um, and right now, unfortunately, I'm not doing a ton with my nutrition portion of the degree, which is why I love doing talks like this. Um, but I am currently a cardiopulmonary technician um, at a legacy hospital in Portland, Oregon. And I run exercise stress tests on people to assess their um, risk or presence of coronary artery disease. Okay. So since I'm doing the scheduling for people Wednesday calls, would you be willing to come back to maybe talk to us about exercising and diabetes? Um, yeah, that would be okay. great. I'd be happy to. I will put you on the schedule and we'll talk. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is all the raised hands for now. Um, Cecilia. Great. Well, I have been so happy to um, be here and thanks for listening to me. Oh, and we, we just have uh, have another raised hand. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, did DJ Kessler? Uh, I hope I have that name right. Kessler? Yeah. Yes. Okay. My, my question is, you named a lot of grains, I guess, like millet. That's a grain, right? Mm-hmm. And and okay are those all um on the lower end of uh, the glycemic index um i believe most whole grains are going to be they're still carbohydrates but since they whole grains generally have higher sources of they're, they're a higher source of fiber they're going to be lower um you know you would definitely have to look specifically at um each grain because they do have different yeah. properties but um they uh, those whole grains that i mentioned offer a lot of benefits um besides their their carbohydrate content which is why if you're going to have carbs like if you're going to have a rice bowl then try it with brown rice or try it with wild rice or millet okay um, i can't eat any of them so but that oh. that's me um the no <laughs> I know. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about the sugars, artificial sugars and such, mm -hmm. um, you know, like like stevia and that. Um, but what seemed to work for me was if I didn't take anything with added sugar, just like fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. like um, a, a little bit of that a day you know plenty of vegetables but taking its own sugars from the vegetables not the starch not the starch ones mm -hmm. but like you know salads and such okay celery um any of that kind of stuff yeah once i got over any sugar cravings i found that um if i used a little artificial sugar i was fine if i went just from regular sugar to artificial sugar, I'd end up craving, you know, to eat the house. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get over the craving first before I could go back to the artificial ones. Anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate all that you have to offer. Oh, thank you. Thanks, DJ. Um, 
So we're, we're coming up to the top of the hour. So I want to, this is Becky again talking. Um, I would like to, again, thank Cecilia for coming and talking with us. Um, full of lots of information, which is great. Um, I do want to mention that if anybody has any questions or um, want to find out more about ACB Diabetics in Action, um, or if you want to join our affiliate, you can send an email to acbdaorg at gmail.com. Um, and if it's a question for Cecilia, then we'll make sure we get it to her and um, get you connected that way. Um, before we close out, I want to thank Allison for being our wonderful host. Um, thank ACB Media for joining us and all of you that are listening. Um, Larry Gassman and Herbie Allen, I believe, are the two that have been working on that. So thank you all for being part of that. And we do have our chat coming up on May 21st at four, five, five Eastern. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have another chat coming up on the fourth Monday at um, 7.30 Eastern. So I believe that'll make it the 23rd, I think. Okay. Maybe. Mm -hmm. All my community calendar. It's the third yeah. Saturday and the fourth Monday. 